0: This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network.
1: And welcome to another episode of Queen City Nerves News Hounds Podcast. I am Ryan Pitkin, your host, and we have another special election issue, as we did last year on City Council. This year, it is our two newest Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools Board of Education members, Just voted in this week. Huge congratulations to you both. Uh, We have Liz Monterey here. How's it going, Liz?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Ryan.
1: Absolutely. We also have Reverend Monty Witherspoon. How's it going? Thank you.
2: Uh, Doing well. Glad to be here. Tired, but I'm here. Absolutely. (laughs) So
1: we are recording on Thursday night. Um, Just Tuesday night that you all both were elected to at-large seats on the uh, CMS school board. Uh, incumbent Lenora Ship took the other, I guess you could call it open seat, took her own seat back, um, and those were the three at-large seats available. What was it like for you all, if I'm not mistaken, Liz, first-time candidate, and yes. Monty, this is your second time? Third time. Third time. Yep. So what was it like, Liz, as a first-time candidate watching those res- – you know, I don't know if you're doing a watch party if you were at the MECDEM watch party if you were pressing refresh on that result page on the NC Board of elections how what were, what were you up to on Tuesday night?
0: Yeah, I mean, we finished up at the polls around 7, 715. My parents flew in from Miami and they were helping me out at the polls and my dad wanted to stay till the very end. And so, um, you know, I was like, all right, let's go. It's time to to, to retire at this point. Things had kind of died down. Mm-hmm. Um, we were at the McDems watch party and longest, longest two hours of my life. Right. Uh, you know, early voting came out at 730 and then it was like a slow drip mm-hmm. for like two hours while we waited. Um, and it was so funny because my whole family was like, we were in a group chat and they were refreshing the numbers and, uh, you know, I had people there refreshing the numbers and everybody just kept like telling me and updating me and mm-hmm. I didn't want to call it until the very end because you know, these races are close. And you so you never know. Yeah, you you saw never city know. Council. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You can win or lose by a few votes, you mm-hmm. know, and so I didn't want to call it till the very end. So I, th- I don't even know. It was kind of a blur, to be honest, but I think like around nine or ten, you know, we finally knew the results. And so mm-hmm. anyway, of course, it was it was very exciting.
1: Absolutely. Imani, like you said, third time's a charm. You've run for district right before. I believe it was district five. Uh, two. District two. two. Yes. OK, sorry. Uh-huh. Um, and this time at large, what was different for you just in terms of not only campaigning, but
2: for that final night? well um i think i've uh gained a lot of knowledge along the way um a lot of things that you know i didn't do uh last time other time before that that uh, uh that kind of prepared me for uh this run and so as you know you can imagine um in contrast to last year which was a district race it's uh much different at large and uh it takes a um lot more energy in order to uh, get it done. Like yeah, it's a big you know, county. <laughs> it's a huge county, and I'm from here. and I'm like, I haven't seen there are parts of the county that I did not know existed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but uh, you know, uh, but the night I was, it was a great night. I was, uh, it was actually my birthday as well, and uh, so we closed out, left the post about seven thirty, and uh, things seemed to fall apart the last two hours for me, uh, family wise. My wife was up working a post. She called me and said, uh, uh, their <clears throat> me- grandmother had oh, a medical grandmother had a medical emergency and so uh I'm coming from North County and I'm stuck in traffic you know she trying to talk her and listen to her and I'm like this is oh my god like right. today you know mm-hmm. and uh so I'm making one stop i make my way to her so like, I'm going to pull it together and and uh and so uh and and she did and uh her well and, uh so I it's also my birthday, so I, my plans were to take, uh, you know, uh, I was having a little celebration as well with my family and things that we we're going to go uh, uptown. Uh, by the time I got in, we just kind of needed to decompress for a moment right. for Sounds everything like, yeah. that had happened. My son was acting up, found out he had a little fever, but he was okay. Uh, and uh, and so by the time I got to my family celebration, I expect so many of uh, my family to show up and for I know – uh, a manager was calling me and she was I was like do not tell me what the numbers are I was mm-hmm. like I don't want to know <laughs> like I'm stuck in traffic right on, now right. I got a lot going on I was like just wait and uh so I didn't I didn't follow the numbers I went out you know I went to uh, I just kind of went outside and talked to my family, and uh, I said, don't tell them anything until we know something for certain.
1: (laughs) Okay, so you weren't even watching as it rolled in.
2: No, I didn't want
1: to know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Hey, well, it worked out for you, and I'm really glad it did. And just in terms of your family's well-being, your grandmother's doing all right, that's great to hear. Between that and the birthday and the election, it just sounds like a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster. Um, So let's just go into a little bit of what got you both here. Uh, Definitely different tracks in terms of – Moni, you're a Charlotte native. Uh, Liz, relatively new Charlotte resident, moved here in 2020. You grew up, we'll start with you, Liz. Grew up in Miami. We'll go into public schools. Um, first generation immigrant parents are from Cuba. Um, and you are a parent to a student who's not entered CMS yet, but will be entering in 2024. Those are all sort of things I want to touch on and, and give different aspects to what your vision is. Um, but just tell me a little bit about what what I guess all of those paths led you to here, but what was it that made you want to get involved and run for uh, it at-large this year, specifically?
0: Well, the TLDR was Mm -hmm. that I learned that there was a gap in representation with the Hispanic community, and a third of the students that attend CMS are Hispanic, and that doesn't mean that I am not here to support the rest of the students. Mm -hmm. Of course, I care about all students, but that was a really, that was a point for me that really kept me motivated throughout the entire race. When I felt tired or, you know, um, that this was really hard, that was uh, my, my, what convinced me to, to run and what kept me going. How I got here, you know, I come from a family of immigrants. We grew up poor. Um, I went to a public school. I was able to get an education, get an MBA. I have a great career, and I always felt like, how can I give back? How can I use my privilege that I now have, this new privilege that I have, and how can I make an impact? And um, I've always had that yearning, and I, I just never had the opportunity or the resources. Running for office is very expensive, especially if you're a young person, and not just financially, but time-wise. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like it was now or never that I was going to be able to run. And it all kind of worked out very well. You know, um, it's about being prepared and then there's luck and then everything kind of lines up. You know, I I moved to Charlotte a few years ago. Uh, I love Charlotte. I, I chose to live in Charlotte. I chose to live here. I chose to buy a home. I chose to start a family here. I think I have a right to Charlotte just like anybody else, you, mm-hmm. you know. And I started volunteering. I volunteer with Block Love, um, you know, every holiday. I've done a lot of initiatives with them at my job. I've raised money for them. love Block um, Love. Yeah, I love Block Love. I love what they do. We're actually going to volunteer with them in Thanksgiving and Christmas mm-hmm. and, and all that. And I started getting involved that way. I really loved the community. Just being in, I just felt like, wow, people here really care and they're really involved. And I just felt so much love from the community. And so from there, I joined my neighborhood association, Plaza Shamrock, shout mm-hmm. out. And, um, but before that, before that, uh, when I bought my home, there was this dog park and people kept crashing into it. Oh, and
1: that's the exact one you're talking about on <laughs> Shamrock.
0: Yeah. And for the I tr- live
1: right near on Matheson or off Matheson in Nota.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and and for those that don't know, you know, Shamrock Drive is a very busy street and people just speed right through it. And it's very dangerous for people, people that live there. And there have been multiple occasions, I think like four or five times in the amount of time that I had lived there, that... People just kept crashing into the dog park. And so, um, you know, uh, then I was on next door and I saw people were complaining and, you know, people were like, this has been happening for years. And and I'm the kind of person that if something bothers me enough, I'm going to do something about it. Mm -hmm. I just I'm a doer. And so I started a petition. We got 600 signatures. Um, I think it was a slow news cycle. It mm-hmm. got a ton of media coverage. Yeah, I remember
1: then that was in the news.
0: It was in the news and we got the attention of the city and, uh, you know, they installed lighting, they installed these like uh, sk- uh, mini skips, which is like, just um on the floor so you could see the curve better because it's a curve and people just, you know, take the curve curb um and then we got a grant from C. to install some crosswalks which haven't happened yet but mm-hmm. I think they're coming soon. You know, things like that yeah. take take a while.
1: Right, they do. Uh
0: but since I since that happened there hasn't been any more crashes. So, um, you know, I don't know if that's luck or what, but you know, it That kind of got me motivated. It really clicked for me the importance of local government and how powerful it was. You know, I think um, I was just very frustrated with the the federal government and, and all the things that were happening. And, and I, you know, you feel like a lack of control. And with local government, you do have a voice, you do have power, you do have more control. And that just really inspired me. And I was like, what else can I do, you know, Um, and so it just started happening like that. I met with the Latino Leadership Council, and you know, they we spoke about um, opportunities to get involved, and they encouraged me to run for school board. And I was like, "Well, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if I have those skill sets. I'm mm-hmm. not an educator. I'm not a principal. Like, how can I?" use my skill sets and how can I be helpful is there you know and I spoke to a lot of board members I met with a lot of them Mm -hmm. for a while they were all you know the ones I reached out to they were more than happy to sit with me and we talked and and I felt after those conversations I think I have a valuable skill set that I can contribute and that's kind of how it happened Mm
1: -hmm. absolutely and you were a political philosophy major so this has always been an interest of yours or not minor I'm sorry
0: Yes, I took, uh, you know, AP civics and mm-hmm. economics in high school, and I've always voted since 2006. That was the first time I could vote. Uh, mm-hmm. I voted for Obama, mm-hmm. and that was my first, you know, we had it so good, right? and then all of a sudden we didn't, and so, you know, I always wanted to get involved, and I had done stuff with Vote Run, vote Run Lead uh, out in Miami, but I they just there wasn't any opportunities i don't know why i think the communities are different Mm. um but yeah that's kind of how it happened
1: you moving from miami in 2020 is well i won't say funny but it'll miami will always be connected in my mind to that time because i went there for a conference journalism conference in february 2020 and like i remember in the airport seeing like a few people wearing masks and i was like is this that COVID I was hearing about, like, is this going to be a thing? And it was, like, 20 days later that everything was done. Everything was shut down. So that's just how I think of Miami now (laughs) being that airport. Mm -hmm. So, Monty, you had a – like I mentioned earlier, you've grown up. You are born and raised in Charlotte. Um, You – I mean, I'm just going by your uh, bio here. You've been pastor at Steel Creek AME Zion. But in between that, you grew up going to CMS schools, and you've you've had some time to reflect on your time there, and – I saw one interesting thing that's sort of a big part of your platform is sort of seeing these reports of how much zip code affects your potential to succeed or uh, to graduate, to go on to higher education in Charlotte when you're attending CMS schools. And you had looked back and said in your bio that, you know, you were one, the only one of your friend circle to graduate. Was it just graduate or to further advance into higher education after Olympic high school?
2: Yeah. uh, uh, Really, I would. Say about uh, around ninth grade. Uh, a lot of my friends that I just kind of grew up with, they were still friends of mine. Um, I kind of dropped out of the system, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the system kind of failed them, in my opinion. Right. And and let me say they're doing great now. Mm-hmm. I mean they they are uh, mechanics. They are they are on their own HVAC companies. Um, they're very involved. and productive citizens and uh, lead. Uh, uh, Great families, mm-hmm. um, and so, but yeah, I remember uh, I was sitting. I was, of course, I was a W, so I was at the back of the line. I was. I looked to the front. I'm like, and that's when it kind of occurred to me. I'm like, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm the only one that mm-hmm. uh, you know was reached you, you know, this point, it was you know kind of bittersweet. You know, and the more I learned, you know, of course, in my own journey. I I almost didn't make it. I felt. I tell you know uh, talk a lot, a lot about you know. How I fell third in seventh grade and, uh, you know, how that impacted me. So folks kind of talk about the uh scooter prison pipeline. They talk mm-hmm. about it. But I was like, I can talk, you know, as one who's been in that pipeline. Right. And, you know, single parent home, uh, but a home that was filled with love and, and encouragement and support, um, no doubt. Uh, but, uh, you know, so I know these challenges. And so as I reflect on my own journey um, and really understanding uh, firsthand what a lot of the students are facing uh, even today uh, is really uh, what fuels me what motivates me to uh, want to engage this work
1: absolutely and you play or a big part of your platform is around career readiness Um, how well of a job do you feel like CMS is currently doing in not only uh, Trying to push graduation rates, but doing that,
2: whether it be trade or preparing for higher education, doing that career readiness. Well, I do think that we, uh, CMS, <clears throat> we need to really look at expanding, you know, vocational uh, training. And so that folks, uh, students can uh, graduate really ready to go and in directly into uh, into a job. Right. And uh, uh, I think we can do better. Uh, I think uh the hearts and minds are in the right place. But uh, I think we could certainly expand those programs. And, uh, and and also just making sure that what we are offering is, is what students are interested in.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I was just talking to Latoya Faustin of She Built the City about this exact thing a few weeks ago after their Pottstown initiative in Huntersville. And it's one of those things where it's, she was discussing how in the 70s and 80s schools sort of started taking those trades out of classrooms because it was one thanks in part to the fact of not only the test grade situation uh, and trying to focus on what is Measurable by test grade, but also the fact that these classrooms are more expensive to build when you talk about uh, car I Forget even what the name and there was I went to North Mac high school where there was one of the last Car programs left where you could work on cars. I, I didn't do it myself, and I regret it because now I don't know anything <laughs> but uh, you know they started taking those things out of classrooms long before even our time and um, and I, you know, I don't really have a question there, but it would be nice to see those get back into classrooms. Those absolutely. opportunities, absolutely would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely need those. Right. So, just sort of going into this uh, this election, we've seen countrywide, and it's it's definitely happening in Mecklenburg and the surrounding areas. A lot of more, a lot more attention, and I mean that in a good and a bad way. to school board races, and we see a lot of. I, I even hate to use the term, but it, it really. It, people know what it means when I say it, so I have to as a journalist, but a lot of culture war issues coming into the situation where you have folks like Moms for Liberty who are really spending all their time and energy attacking specific uh, issues like uh, what books are in school and what how trans people are uh, in, included in schools and things like that. And, and really just hammering down on these issues and bringing them to board meetings and making things divisive. Uh, I'll start with you, Liz, because you were actually the endorsee of your, pred- I, I'll call her your predecessor just because she endorsed you to replace her, and Jennifer De La Hara, and her being one of the more outspoken progressive people on the board, um, not even to say that you are just coming behind her to do everything she stood for, but just her endorsing you, I feel like put a target on your back Im- immediately. Did you feel that in terms of those conservative activists targeting you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm. Jennifer has been a great person to give information to me about what board members do. I will give her credit. I didn't know half of the things until I did Google searches. Yeah. And so, you know, I know about Moms for Liberty from a national level, but I don't know them here at mm-hmm. all. And I feel like they they have put a target on my back when I don't even know these folks mm-hmm. and they don't know me and they haven't had a chance to sit down and talk to me. And so for me, you know, I do have values that, that I feel strongly about. And I was endorsed by Equality NC, and so yeah, I do take attacks on that community personal, and they go against my values, and and so yeah, I mean, I would say don't judge me until you know me. But at the end of the day, I would rather not be liked for uh, not everyone's gonna like you. And I would rather not be liked and and hold and be on the right side of history. Right. Absolutely. So that's okay with me.
1: Mm-hmm. And Monty, this is a, a nonpartisan position in race, um, but you also, you know, you're 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 one of the three endorsed by Mecklenburg Democrats uh, for a reason, I believe, in your platform. Um, and well, I should note, in case anybody didn't read my coverage from Tuesday night, that all three of those folks are the three who won, um, and was there anything just from that endorsement alone or your platform or things you've spoken up on that that saw you um, having to already deal with that even before being elected in your campaigning in terms of social media or um, witnessing in, in out public events campaigning things like that that you get a taste for that uh, sort of divisiveness that that surrounds school board contentious issues these days
2: oh yes yeah. it is it's obvious um, I think uh uh it, Mecklenburg in particular, I think, you know, obviously all those nonpartisan Democrats uh far out number, um uh, Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um but even those minority voices um still can cause distractions mm-hmm. and uh, be disruptive in a sense of uh what what their agenda is. Um, and so, yeah, and I think that we have to get back to focusing on student outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we're here for. And so, uh, there are a lot of culture words, and I think that they're, uh, very critical things that should be addressed and, and, and uh, uh, sort of counteracted or, or countered, uh, in those culture wars. Uh, but our job as the as board members is to improve student outcomes. And that's, that's the way I approach this. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm a part of that is also for me, ensuring that all of our students are, uh, feel safe and they're included, that they uh, see themselves and they're affirmed and, uh, all that we do in, in, in our curriculum. Um, and I think that's just so important. I think that if if we establish a culture of that, it doesn't matter what voices may show up, that I just want every student to come in, regardless of all of the noise around school boards, to know that they're going to get a great education, that they're going to be safe, uh, and that their uh, humanity is going to be valued. Mm-hmm. And yourself being, I mentioned earlier, a lot of folks knew you in the
1: community, uh, at least in Steel Creek as a pastor at Steel Creek AME Zion. So you're clearly a, a faith-led or faith uh, you take, you use faith in your in your and how you approach community work. I, I'll put it that way. In what way do you see how that inspires or um, or drives your work in in what you're about to take on in school system? Because you know, there's a lot of there's also different kinds of uh, even in the Christian faith alone, there's different kinds of people whether they be I'm glad you said that. Yeah, right. <laughs> using evangelism yeah. evangelicism too for right. exclusivity or mm-hmm. using it for inclusivity and there's a big there's a big difference between the two. So mm-hmm. just tell me how that sort of
2: your work in the church informs your work in the in the schools or yeah.
1: community in general.
2: Sure. Uh <clears throat> it's interesting. I got I got an email the other day, you know, was asking, you know, I'm, I'm I want to vote for you, but I just want to make sure that you know, you're not going to do A, B, and C, and that you're not going to allow your uh, religion to you know, guide you. And I said, well, I mean, that's kind of a very narrow mm-hmm. understanding of what—you don't even know what my values are in that, in my religion. You don't even know how it's guiding it. And so uh, that is the lens through which I see things. And But for me, uh, as a, a Christian, if you want to say, mm-hmm. I, I'm a believer, that— the the community that the the one that I follow was a very broad community that was inclusive of the whole world that was of people from various backgrounds, but more so uh, as one who loved and sought to uplift marginalized groups of folks, mm-hmm. those that were outside of the cities that could not come in, whether it be for um, health reasons or uh, for social, economic reasons, uh, and so for me, that these marginalized communities are very important to me. Uh, whether it be single mother, whether it be uh, because of uh, race, whether it be because of uh, economics, uh, we are. I believe in building a holistic, beloved community of folks from various backgrounds, and I just imagine. What we could do, or what we could be, if we embrace that type of uh, value, mm-hmm. whether it's faith or whether it's your value, right? Uh, right. That uh, you know that we build, we work together, and uh, where everyone feels love, where everybody feels included, where everybody is, is affirmed, and and you know. And we say to those who want to exclude folks well you go outside you right. know? <laughs> let's <laughs> marginalize those <Right>. you know <laughs> and uh and, and build a better community so that that that's the place and and so for me also I'm from a tradition uh of what we call a black church you know from of of social justice where we we speak truth to power, we speak up for the powerless and so that's the tradition which I come from mm-hmm. and uh so the 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 rest of this stuff is uh Sort of abnormal to me, you mm-hmm. know, and it's foreign, and uh, so, and I, and I think if folks would, like I said in that email, I was like, if you understand what, what my tradition is, mm-hmm. which there are multiple traditions, you know, uh, then it would you you had in an mm-hmm. email, they're like, oh, thank you, I you know understand, right. uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely.
1: turn to stay in touch with the city around you. Broadcast news isn't what it used to be, and commercial radio doesn't scratch that itch. If only there was one place you could get it all, when you want, wherever you want, on your schedule, there is the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city on your schedule at queencitypodcastnetwork.com, and everywhere you get your podcasts, One issue, I guess you'd call it, and it wasn't really even campaigned on necessarily, because it was an entirely separate referendum, was the CMS bond package that was just approved over the uh, during the same election night. And this was a bond referendum that will include 2.5 billion dollars in funding, 30 projects, some of which are new construction, some of which are uh, renovations, things like that. They will include a one cent or a a proposed or estimated one cent property tax rate over three different uh, cycles. Or three different occasions in the coming years, um, and there has been a lot of debate. And it's, it's, it's. I found it an interesting issue because it's been debated on um, by l- uh, liberals, Democrats, progressives, however you want to refer to the group of folks who have been sort of on de- separate sides of this issue, saying whether it's good or bad for the community. And I know the campaigning is over, so I don't expect you to necessarily, you know, pitch. Why yes or why no? The, the referendum package was uh, was passed, 63% of the vote. Uh, but I was just curious as to what your thoughts were going into that in terms of seeing the uh, – what your respective thoughts are seeing the – Debate. There were some folks from the, actually the black church specifically who stood up and spoke out against it saying that it would lead to displacement. There were a lot of folks from the Mecklenburg Democratic Party, more official wing saying that, you know, get it passed through because it's going to be, you know, some of these buildings, Dr. Crystal Hill herself, the superintendent, saying, you know, really endorsing it. So as to fix some of these facilities that she was saying were falling into disrepair. And I'm just curious as to what your thoughts were, um, Going into Tuesday night's election, as to what could, if there were things that could have been done differently with the bond package, or whether this was just a, uh, you know, I'm not even sure the rules as to you know some of the opposition was talking about this should be used to hire more teachers, or it should be used to for different resources. I'm not even technically sure on the, the laws of whether that's allowed to be done or isn't allowed to be done in terms of hiring teachers and what funding certain funding pools can be used for so i guess i'm just getting your thoughts in general on the bond package and what your thoughts were on it when you yourself had to go vote um on that separate referenda and i'll start with whomever wants to give their thoughts on that
2: yeah i uh i i'm I'm an ardent supporter of the bonds uh again as one who i'm from charlotte i mean my elementary school was old when I went there. And that's right. <laughs> that's 35 years ago now, yeah. you know, uh, uh more. Uh yeah, man, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, and so and that's one of the ones that's on the bond. And uh um, you know, I think we're on the right side of the issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, just for safety and security, for I mean, what are we saying to our students? What are we saying to teachers? Um, if, if we did not do that. And uh, it, one of the points she brought up is, you know, about, you know, some of those who were critics of it and, and uh, with the bond. But, and I just said this. I mean, you know, of course, there were pastors against it. And uh, I'm not placing any value respect everybody's opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were also so many other pastors that were for it. Right. But they just didn't get voice, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and I thought that they should have been brought to the table as well. Uh, that could have shared a different perspective to the community. But nonetheless, it passed, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm I'm grateful for it, and I think we're going to be able to do some great things. And, you know, for folks saying, you know, we don't know what they're going to do with the money, you know, one of the things I'm hopeful for is that we'll make that da- there's a dashboard that you can go mm-hmm. and see every single project Um I, I hope we can make that even more accessible and more available right. so folks will know exactly what's happening with with your dollars I think we're committed to um, that that level of transparency
1: absolutely we have we have I'll link into our um, in this podcast post on our website uh, if you go to com, if you're just listening on Spotify or something I'll link to our story last week which actually did list all 30 projects and mm-hmm. in, into what that will go to in case people are curious Liz what were your sort of your thoughts going into that and, and looking into that bond package as a as a, uh, a potential school leader?
0: Well, you know, I, I want to say we live in America. It's a free country. We have mm-hmm. freedom of speech. People are allowed to disagree. It's mm-hmm. the beauty of why we live in this country. And that's why we vote. And the people spoke. I can tell you, I spoke to many parents, and no parent that has their child in public school was against that bond. No parent. So that tells you a lot about the people that opposed it. I wonder, hey, do you even have kids in CMS? Or do you have anybody that works there? Because, you know, your perspective changes, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, you know, as a parent, I want safety in schools. You know, we, a lot of the schools are not prepared for the safety threats of the 21st century. And a lot of the money that's going to be used in the bond package is going to be so that we can have those state-of-the-art security features, My son will be going to a school next year that is brand new. Shamrock
1: Gardens.
0: Yeah, Shamrock Gardens. It looks really good. Mm -hmm. And and Shamrock Gardens was a very old school, and they demolished it. They rebuilt it, and now it's extremely diverse. It has um, over half of the teachers are nationally accredited teachers. It attracts talent. And so, you know, it's a great place, and people want to go there. And I've spoken to people, oh, that's a great school. That's a great school. I want that for all schools. When we talk about equity in CMS, I don't see another way of achieving equity without making sure that all of our schools have environments that are conducive to learning. We can't have our kids and our teachers with broken HVACs or or heating systems or, um, you know, schools like North Mec, you know, securing that campus. You know, right now Mm. you can come in from any angle from North Mec. It's not... I
1: I drive by there now and I'm like, how did they, they put so many more trailers and there are already so many trailers when I went.
0: Yeah. And there's so many schools like that. right? Right, Right. And so for me, we also have to, there's a lot of misinformation on the bond too, because I was going through a lot of threads on Instagram and whatever, and you know, people didn't really know. And so I think We have a larger issue, which is like a communications issue uh, where information just isn't being given out properly to the public. Or I don't know where the disconnect is, but, um, you know, in terms of, you know, a lot of comments were like, but we need to pay our teachers more, Mm -hmm. which, of course. And and I want to clarify the listeners of this podcast, I'm sure, are very smart and they Mm know that educators are paid via the state they're the ones that all five me, of
1: them are super smart
0: <laughs> they uh, not paid that the, the pay is set by the state legislator and you know there are some bond packages in other states that do allow for increase in teacher pay this one does not mm-hmm. and it's not just a simple matter of saying well let's just move the money around it doesn't work like that right, right. Um, this bond is a construction bond and it's for rebuilding or building of schools that's it And so it's strictly for that. And when you look at the schools that are being built, the majority are going to be on the east and west side, which are predominantly black and brown, Mm. you know, populations of students that go there. So, again, we can't say we want equity in schools and then be against something that's going to provide equity in schools.
1: Right. And I I think that's just an overarching theme of local government in terms of what you were talking about, what can be used for what. And I just... I just admitted my ignorance in the question of saying i I didn't think uh that you could pay teachers with this sort of money but i I wasn't sure but it's just similar it comes up i cover city council very closely uh and it it happens with almost every project that they fund through their tourism dollars where they'll build something that or you know whether it comes to uh, i think it was that tennis facility that now fell through anyway but everyone will say, oh, but we need this and that and this. And it's like we can't with the tourism money anyway. So it really comes down to communicating, and, and that's actually part of my job too, and just communicating that better to people as to what local government does and how they can pay for certain things with, with certain other things. Um, and one, a topic I wanted to sort of address, and it's I guess it's not that broad because there are very specific examples of it happening right now uh, in terms of it feels to me, and I and – I, I don't think this is such a uh, fringe opinion anymore. I think it's becoming more clear in the last year or two that there's a very s- organized movement tied to some of the movement we talked about earlier, but there's a very organized movement to undermine public education and sort of place private education in front of that and elite uh, elite students giving them options above to do their private school thing. And this has sort of manifested in um, the... Uh, recent private voucher private school voucher legislation passed and it's also sort of a part of the whole idea that now the NC Supreme Court is going to re-rule I guess or at least re relook at the Leandro case which was such, such a big deal for school funding uh, and public school funding in North Carolina and it really had finally seen that tear about I think almost three decades of rulings that it was finally going to have a result. And now it looks like it's going to go back in front of the Supreme Court, which is highly Republican and conservative now and extremely conservative and, and could maybe put uh, a big pool of funding at risk that people have been fighting for for three decades. So I'm basically just getting to the fact of on this local level, you know, I'm a strong believer that local government is, is the most important and affects your day to day lives. But it's also, feels, it's also got to feel uh, pretty overwhelming to be battling. I think anybody I speak to on the, on the local school board is always dealing with that tension of, of having to deal with what and you can and can't do in terms of the control that the North Carolina General Assembly has. Um, as uh, And correct me if I'm wrong, you're also parents parent to at least one young child, if not two, right? Yeah, I have a five-year-old and right. a two-year-old. Right, so both of your children will be ent- just entering the school s- district for uh, the long run, uh, up to up to uh, graduation, and as parents of these young children, knowing that these forces are working to undermine public education, and obviously, I'm just speaking from my own belief, but I, I see you two nodding. Feel free to, to tell me if I, if you don't agree. But seeing those forces working uh, in an organized way to sort of undermine public education, as two fo- as two kids who came up under public education and how much you were shaped by it, what does that mean to you as not only parents of young children but as new leaders in this sc- in the school district who have
2: to deal with that? Yeah, you know, for me, quite honestly, uh, I'm fortunate enough to you know, be able to provide my child with whatever support and opportunities, uh, my children, whatever they may need. Um, And I know know firsthand what the opportunities that public education gave me. And I know the value of the teachers that um, really uh, spoke to me and really, uh, help me in very important and critical times in my life and so uh, but what concerns me most is folks who may not be in my condition mm-hmm. who may be a single parent like the household I came from or maybe in a high poverty community or you know it's kind of you know, poverty's kind of hitting in Charlotte now, Yeah, you know? absolutely. but so you don't know where it is, you know, that but, buzzword of inner city youth doesn't work here. Doesn't work here. Yeah. 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 You know, so we, we, we don't know. And so, you know, but you know, those are the families and, and the students that I'm concerned about most. And I think that this, what's happening in our state legislature with Republicans is it's harmful. It's damaging. I think it's immoral. Um, that you don't want to give our students a chance, the only chance that they have really at upward mobility. Hmm. And, uh, and so those are the students. I mean, I'm concerned for all students, regardless of, you know, what side of town. I think every student deserves a right to a, a quality education. But I cannot stop without being more concerned for those that are Uh, don't have the same opportunities in their homes and don't have the same support systems and don't have the means to... to uh, provide certain supports for their for, for for their for their children, and so I, I think it's damaging. I think it's destructive, and I, and that's why we need folks to get involved and to be aware of what's going on. You know, folks, you know, you know, they, we, we we're worried about who's going to be president. We need to think about. We need to worry about our house, our senate, our state senate, right. <laughs> our Absolutely. judges. Yeah. You know, those are things that really impact our daily lives. I'm not saying we shouldn't go out and vote for a president, but there are other elections that are so vitally important. And so, uh, and uh, so, yeah, that's what I believe. Right, and you make it such a big part of your platform to to
1: mention those stats about d- which zip code you grew up in in Mecklenburg County, result or uh, affecting your potential results or or of your education, how far along you get, and you know everybody in the city knows about the the forty eight out of fifty in economic mobility, but those two those two reports, those two statistics go hand in hand. Right, they're one and the same. I right. think. Two sides of the same coin. Um, Liz, your thoughts on.
0: Well, plus one to everything that Monty mm. said. And I think the statistic is that we're 50th out of 50th in the 50th, nation yeah, for no um, for investment in public education. But oh, you're right, right, right about the income yeah. the mobility. They're tied together. Mm-hmm. But we're 50th out of 50th. Um, you know, you asked me earlier why I was inspired to run. That was also a big point for me of inspiration um, to be that friction because um, there is a tax on public education. You know, these private school vouchers are not additional funds. They're funds that are being taken away from public education. And these are funds that have existed in the past with income caps, and they were not spent because poor families – couldn't afford it because you have to pay the difference if you know they gave you an eight thousand dollar voucher but the school is twenty thousand then you can't afford it and plus mm-hmm. the lifestyle right it's not just putting your kid in a private school it's like the clothes and the activities and mm-hmm. the you know it's it, it's also that that people don't think about and so yeah it's it's disheartening to see that and you know i'm an optimist i i believe that everything is cyclical and I believe, I hope that these folks that are doing this won't be here for the whole time, hopefully, right. and we're able to vote them out and we're able to do things. So I, I try to stay hopeful on There's that. There's a lot of
1: success seen against the more fringe, extreme Monster Liberty, uh, I won't say party, but uh, Monster Liberty movement throughout the country this past Tuesday.
0: Yeah, we're get, people are getting smart. They're listening. They're like, "Wait a minute. Like, you know, th- this is affecting me." And when we're rallying and 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 I love that. And even in Charlotte, like Charlotte popul- we're so smart. Like mm. we we get it. And so I think that will gain momentum. And um What was I going to say about... um, Yeah, and and to Monty's point, as a parent, you know, my son will get all the resources that he needs. And so it's not him. It's it's other students that that are going to be disenfranchised. And so, you know, we have... 100 people moving here from Charlotte every single day. And so hopefully, the county will be able to increase the supplement for teachers, we can be have the highest supplement in the state, uh, I'm hoping to build relationships with the county commission, and, and kind of get that I know a lot of them are, are pro public education. And so there are ways that we can try to mitigate that. And I hope that we can but, um, you know, private education for me is a cash grab, you know, uh, they're going to start building private schools, and then private equity will get involved. And you know it's the best business in town and it's happening nationally and it's not just in charlotte and it's something mm-hmm. that has been happening over time we're just hitting the breaking point now and we're starting to notice and we're like oh whoa but these plans have been in motion for a very long time
1: right absolutely well i think that's a good place to wrap up but let's talk a little bit optimism or maybe not i don't know but just sort of uh moving into your first year when are you when are you all sworn in January or December December, 12th. December okay um, what is the th- what is the issue the key thing that you want to your constituents to sort of be paying attention to in 2024 that that whether you all will be facing a vote on it or it's something that you just want it's you can't say the Leandro case ruling because I just talked about that mm-hmm. but um, Leandro just yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what's something that you really are are uh, fired up about in 2024 be it in a positive way or negative way that you want people to be have their eyes on and that you're going to be paying attention to as a, as a board rep.
0: Well, I know you said positive, but. (laughs) No,
1: it can go either way. If it's something that's important or critical to to you.
0: Well, look, next year we're going to run out of those, those COVID funds are going to expire and we're going to hit that COVID cliff. Mm. We're going to lose a lot of that additional funds that allowed us to, you know, be able to catch our students up from the COVID, which by the way is still happening. Mm -hmm. It's not over, right? right. And so, you know, I am- catching
1: up is still happening. Yeah,
0: and it's going to happen for a long time now. Yeah, You know, student outcomes, the achievement gap, the achievement gap has always existed. But when you look at the data, I mean, it's just exponentially Mm -hmm. um, gotten more and more farther apart. Mm. And it's, again, our black and brown students and and so uh, you know that does concern me, and that's something that I'll be focused on, making sure that uh, how, trying to figure out we're going to have to get um, you know figure out. I hate this. I hate to say the word creative, mm-hmm. but we're going to need to figure out how we're going to supplement that because it is going to be a big loss for for CMS, mm-hmm. and so that'll be on my radar. You know, school safety and how we deal with that. We are on. We have. We're having a mental health crisis. Um, in the schools, when you talk about the majority of incidents, when I would talk when, uh, when I was talking to students, the majority of the incidents are online bullying, mental health, um, things like that. And so we need to find ways to um, pr- to prevent these kind mm-hmm. of things from happening and giving support mm-hmm. uh, to our students by the means of more psychologists, social workers, BMTs, and And getting in front of it, I think. Mm. And so that will be a big thing on my radar. Of course, um, getting more bilingual support. Latinos are at the bottom of um, test test results. Mm. And I don't think it's because they're not smart. I think there's a lack of resources happening. and, And, you know, I don't blame the current school board members. I just think that we have 181 schools. And there's nine board members and there's only so much you can do in a day. And if it's not top of mind for you, you know, you're going to worry about other things. Mm-hmm. And so that'll be a big priority for me to to see if, you know, we can get that low hanging fruit. And all students benefit from having more uh, bilingual support. Absolutely. You know, I talk to parents all the time and they're like, oh, my kid is in Spanish and French and and all of that. But primarily Spanish, you mm-hmm. know, and and. Parents want their kids to be bilingual. It's an asset, not a weakness. Right. And so if we can get that, I think all of us will, all all um, all of CMS will benefit from it.
1: I kick myself every day for not holding on to what I did in college. Grade school, I was done. I I, I didn't pick up any of it. But I then I went back and did Spanish again in college. Then I dropped it again. But anyway,
2: Mani, I'll give you uh, the floor. Yeah, well, uh, I'm having to learn Spanish all over again because my son is in a the Language Arts oh, okay. Academy. That's so, uh, a, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's coming in every day, and uh, he's—I he's, mean, it's—it's he's, <laughs> it's amazing how fast he's learning Spanish. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I, I basically uh, agree with everything Liz said. Um, I, I just want the community to know exactly where we are, um, and where we're going, where we plan to go, where we hope to be mm-hmm. uh, to go. Um, but I think that uh, you know, we just have to. I want the community to know that. Of the mental health crisis coming out of the pandemic or in the pandemic as a result of the pandemic should I say and uh, we're it's a teacher crisis uh, some folks call it a shortage I said it's a crisis mm-hmm. um there's a uh, I mean the pipeline is pretty much it's uh it, it's almost dry Drying it, yeah, yeah yeah and so uh these are both—and uh, this is not just CMS, not just North Carolina. This is across the country. Um, and I think that we're really in a, a crisis of education across the country. And so I just want folks to be aware. Um, and, uh, of course, as Liz said, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful of, of for the uh, uh, framework that's currently in place of student outcomes-focused governance. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to come on board for, with that Uh and kind of pursue the goals that they have in place already and to uh, work collaboratively and uh, for uh, change and uh, to move our students forward and improve student outcomes. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Both of
1: you obviously a short notice because I wanted to see who won. And uh, so just coming on a short notice at a time when you, you really should just be taking a breather and don't need to campaign anymore. So you didn't have to come on. But I really appreciate that you did. And hopefully folks got a good uh, got a got good feel for who you are as you go into this uh this next stage and get sworn in next month. So I appreciate y'all and enjoy you. your holidays and thanks for coming on. Glad to be here. Thank Glad you for to be here me. anytime. Absolutely. And uh, we'll see you next episode. Cheers.
2: Queen City Podcast Network.com.